1: Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA. Listening to Funky Monkey
0: MMA. Welcome back to another edition of Funky Monkey MMA. I am Kane Miller, and with me is Joel Rojas. Joel, how are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing well, yourself.
0: I'm doing pretty good. So we're going to come at you again with another predictions podcast. We, we did one prior for the last pay-per-view with Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor, and we're going to try this again. Format is going to be exactly the same. We're going to break down the card from bottom to top, meaning that we're going to start with the first prelim and then move our way up up to the main event, which for this one will feature the title between Steve Miocic and Alistair Overeem. So without further ado, we will go ahead and jump right into the predictions here. Uh, the first fight on the UFC Fight Pass will be between... Drew Dober and Jason Gonzalez. Um, I like Drew Dober in this matchup. He's the more experienced guy, both in terms of professional and UFC experience. Mainly a Muay Thai guy, but his ground game has actually been improving uh, quite a bit. We saw that in his last fight where he picked up a very impressive, uh, unanimous decision against Scott Holtzman. Pretty good guy, good striker from both close and far range. Good chin, decent power. Uh, He's still improving, but he's actually looked pretty good in his last few fights. And he'll be taking on Jason Gonzalez, who is... Promotional newcomer, he's 10-2. Uh, he has, he also had a brief stint on the Ultimate Fighter, I believe. I think that that was the uh, team favor in the season. He's pretty impressive. He has good finishing ability. He has decent wrestling, decent striking. But with here, I think it's going to be Dober's experience that really gets him the advantage here.
1: I agree. I agree. I've been a fan of Drew Dober's for quite some time. Even in a show of loss, he, he's always had that heart and that determination, and he just keeps getting better and better. Um, I'm going with Drew Dover on this one. Um, I I can't call that as far as a finish, but I think he'll take the win for sure.
0: I think so, too. I don't think it'll be a finish. I think it'll likely be a decision, but either way, I'd see Drew getting his hand raised. I think it's going to be on the judges' scorecards. All right, moving on, we have a pretty interesting matchup here with the final fight pass prelim between Yancy Medeiros and Sean Spencer. Uh, Both men are primarily strikers. Sean Spencer is very good, technical, crisp the boxing uh, very accurate with his strikes. He moves very well, very good jab. And Nancy Medeiros, he's also a striker, but he's a bit more of a, I, I would say Muay Thai would be a stronger suit. Um, he sometimes gets himself in the brawls. He has very good kicks, particularly to the body. But overall, one aspect that I really don't like in his game is that he does, while his recovery is good, he does get tagged quite a bit. He kind of leaves his chin exposed. We've seen that in several fights now, like the Dustin Poirier fight. Uh, we saw that in his last matchup where he did get fight of the night, but it was he did get hurt quite a bit. And so I think that this fight will stay standing. Um, Medeiros, I think, has more sheer power and possibly a more diverse striking game, but Spencer is a little bit more technical offense. So what are your thoughts on this matchup?
1: I'm also a big fan of Yancey Medeiros. I mean, he's a bit orthodox. You know, he's part of that Team Hawaii crew that's out there, you know, a bunch of rising stars. I see a split decision happening, and I think it'll go towards Yancey Medeiros. I mean, Spencer is a great striker. It, it's, a, it's a potential sleeper fight of the, of, of the evening, for sure. But I'm going to go with Yancey split decision. Yeah,
0: I agree there. I think that it will be a very close fight. It is kind of a fight that's under the radar. I think not enough people are talking about it. I think that it'll be a very fun fight on the feet. But overall, I do think that Medeiros' more diverse striking style will really help him here and out wouldn't be surprising if Spencer were able to drop him and hurt him but I don't think he's going to be able to finish Medeiros and I think that Barris will be able to possibly weather an early storm and apply some pressure and possibly even take the foot to the ground because his ground game has been improving quite a bit he's developed a particularly nasty guillotine and I think that that also could be the difference here I think he's going to mix it up on the feet uses very powerful kicks and possibly throwing a few takedowns in there as well to really seal the deal I think it will be close, but I am going with Yancey Medeiros. I'll go with also a split decision. I think that it's it's going to be uh, kind of a coin flip there. All right, And with that, we'll be moving on to the Fox Sports 1 prelims. We are starting off the night with an interesting matchup between C.B. Dalloy and Francimar Barroso. Subi Dalloway, you know, he's been with the UFC for quite a while. He was back all the way on, I believe, Tough 7, where uh, he fought Amir Sadala at the finale. You know what you're getting with him. You know, he's mainly a wrestler. likes to take guys down, batter him with his ground and pound, uh, possibly search for some submissions as well. But he has hit a bit of a rough patch as of late. For a while, he was actually looking very good and was possibly, you know, on the verge of establishing himself as a contender. But came up short to Leota Machida, Michael Bisping, and Nate Marquardt. And so I think that this fight will be one that he needs to – he really needs to focus and try to get back on track here. And Francis Barroso, he has actually a very good UFC record, but I don't think that he's looked overly impressive in any of those performances. He's a guy who's kind of decent at everything. He's okay striking. Pretty good on the ground. He actually has a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but he's not overly active. I think that kind of sums up his fighting style overall. He just doesn't have a very hype output of offense. And I think that's really held him back. And that's kind of what his biggest weakness is so far. Um I think that's one of the big reasons why I'm leaning towards Dalloway here. Uh, are you seeing the fight pretty much the same way?
1: Yeah, I do. Barroso is a very slow starter. He's very very laid back. Doesn't pull the trigger when he should. Um, I'm actually predicting a knockout by Dalloway.
0: Okay, yeah. And, you know, Dalloway, he does have power. You know, he he has uh, picked up some, some stoppage wins uh, in his UFC career. Yeah, a finish from him wouldn't be surprising. Um one thing that, I, that is very nervous about Dalloway is that, I mean, this was perfectly showcased in his last fight with Marquardt, was that he still leaves his chin very exposed out there. You know, we saw that it's Marquardt. We saw that, you know, in the Jason Miller fight, he gets tagged quite a lot, and he, he does get finished at a decent rate, you know, in uh, the Mark Munoz fight as well. And so that is a concern. But also really hasn't shown an abundance of sheer knockout power in the UFC, at least thus far. And so I think the Dalloway, in that sense, will at least be safe. I think that Dalloway uses his wrestling. I think that he's going to take Barroso down, wear him down, you know, pepper him with ground strikes. And I would lean towards a unanimous decision here for Dalloway.
1: Okay, and it's at 205, too, which is pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is another thing. I think that, you know, some guys who kind of struggle for a while, they decide to move up, you know. We'll see if if Dalloway does favor a little bit more here. He's a big middleweight, and so he could have a little bit more success here, you know, not having a drastic weight cut. But we'll have to see. But either way, I think that stylistically it will favor Dolloway overall, I think, on the scorecard for this one. With our next fight on the Fox Sports 1 prelims, we have UFC veteran Nick Lentz taking on uh, Michael McBride. So Nick Lentz, you know, he's been with the Oregon, organization for quite a long time, kind of jumped around with weight classes a little bit. He's at lightweight for a while, then he went to featherweight and gone back and forth since then. But, you know, everyone's pretty familiar with his style. He's mainly a grappler. He really, really likes to take guys down, wear them down. Uh, he's got some pretty good ground and bound, decent guard passing. And things like that. Um, He's a guy who really, he's talented, but he's kind of on that brink of breaking into the top contender status, you know? He's kind of come up short to the better guys in the division, but I still think that he is a good guy no matter what weight class he's fighting at, and I think that he's still going to be a tough test for pretty much anyone, and due to uh, some late injuries here, we actually have him facing a UFC newcomer and Michael McBride. He has an eight one record. He has won all of his fights by submission, pretty quick submissions too. Particularly a grappler, but stylistically, you really have to favor Nick Lentz here, just in terms of experience and what his opponent brings to the table here.
1: Nick Lentz is just gonna. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but the, the lay and pray. I mean, he's just gonna stick to him like like glue. He's just not gonna let him go, and it's gonna be a unanimous decision. I mean, Nick Lentz is he's a good fighter, but He's a very predictable fighter, and mm-hmm. just like I said, I predict he's going to get stick to it for 15 minutes, and that's going to be a unanimous decision, unfortunately. I mean, he's always at the cusp of getting the contendership, but I'm, I'm guessing, you know, UFC has a way of doing weird things, and, you know, even giving title shots to submission artists like Jacare and Damian Maya. like, you know, don't deny these guys title shots because of their ground game. I mean, at least they're very active in their ground game, Uh, Nick Lentz, yeah, he does have some ground and pound and whatnot, but for the most part he's just laying on top of him. So he's going to do that 15
0: minutes, and he'll get the victory. And, you know, with uh, McBride, you know, he is stepping in on very short notice, obviously, and he's faced a decent amount of competition, but this is just a massive, massive step up in in competition for him. I think that Lentz will do his thing. He'll take him down, implement his wrestling. I think that he will be able to stay out of his opponents' submissions because his submission defense is pretty good. And honestly, it wouldn't shock me if Lentz were able to get the stoppage, possibly with strikes, or maybe find the submission somewhere along the way, um, just because he has such a draft experience edge over as a counter But overall, yeah, I would, more often than not, I think this one goes to the scorecards. I think that Lentz, again, uh, take McBride down every round, not really get caught in a submission, and then control him, pepper him with ground strikes uh, throughout the 15 minute affair, and I think win every round and win a 30 27 decision here. In our next matchup, we have an interesting middleweight clash between Brad Tavares and Kyle Hagal Yes. So we have Brad, uh, Brad Tavares, who's a very good striker, very good Muay Thai, powerful, powerful leg kicks, and he is very accurate with his strikes, really picks his strikes well, doesn't get moved into brawls, things like that. And his opponent, Kayot Michael Yes, is a little bit different. He's very, very aggressive on the feet, but not very technical. He so that's to kind of charge forward within like, the opening couple of minutes, look to land those big bombs. and. Occasionally it's worked well for him, but when he faces higher levels of competition, like, say, you know, Josh the man, it tends to backfire and he winds up getting put in pretty bad scenarios. And I think that Tavares is a pretty bad matchup for him. I think that Tavares is going to stay on the outside, use those powerful kicks, and come apart from the distance.
1: Absolutely. And, again, I've been a fan of Brad Tavares since even before the UFC. I'm very glad they brought him back because he actually was cut. So I'm glad that they brought him back to, uh, as a second chance, and I, I I also see him finishing Hellboy. I do see him finishing. Him. I mean, he trains with Ray Seffel, who's his mentor, is you know a legend in the sport. You know, he's got some amazing kicks. He's got some stra- uh, some great power. Look what he did to Baroni. That's something mm-hmm. I, that's something that sticks out of my mind right there. But you know, he's had other great fights. You know, he's had he's won some, lost some, but he went out on his shield. He didn't, you know. He was not. He's not the type to give up. And that—that's Team Hawaii for you, man. Team Hawaii is crazy. They're absolutely down to fight. They have absolute heart.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, he has hit a bit of a rough patch, but honestly, I mean, you yeah, know, he's been facing some of the best guys in the division. You know, I mean, he lost the decision to Al Romero. He. Lost to Tim Boach, which, I mean, he was dominating that fight, and he just got caught. And, you know, he picked up a win over Nate Marquardt and then came up short to Robert Whitaker, who's one of the rising stars at middleweight. So I think that this fight will be definitely be a good choice for Tavares to really get back on track and get himself in the win column and gain that momentum that he had between 2012 to 2014 that Tavares can survive that early onslaught from list which I think he can. I think that his striking defense is going to be much better and he can avoid those haymakers. I think it'll stay on the outside, uh, really pick him apart. uses a much more diverse stand-up game to sway the judges in his favor and I think win a pretty clear decision. All right, and then moving on to the final uh, Fox Sports 1 prelim, we have Jessica I taking on Betts Coheira. Um, both women in need of a win here. Um, obviously, Betts she's really known for that fight with Ronda Rousey, where she came up short. And then she also lost a decision to Raquel Pennington in her last performance. And Jessica I, she had quite a bit of uh, hype around here when she first entered the UFC, but she's really been struggling as of late. You know, she came up short to Juliana Pena in a, a pretty close fight. Um, she came up short to Misha Tate. And so I think that while she is skilled, she's really struggling against those top-tier level fighters, you know? Either way, I think that both, yeah, I mean, both women are obviously primarily strikers. I see this fight taking place on the feet. I think that I probably has the better boxing between them, but Koheda she's a bit more diverse, and I think that her Muay Thai could come into play and help her here.
1: I got to kind of disagree with the boxing part of, of I. korea has been training with AKA for quite some time, so I know for sure that her skill set has much, much more improved than what it was before. Um, oh, really? Both girls, both girls, yeah, both girls are, are with their back against the walls. I think whoever loses this fight is probably gonna get cut. Jessica High only has literally one victory in the UFC. The rest are no contests or losses. So you know, it, it's kind of tough when you when you come home, when you come into a promotion with so much hype on you, and you know you don't deliver as you should. And I mean, not taking nothing away from her, she is a good fighter. But it'll be interesting. I mean, Jessica got dropped by Misha Tate. Misha Tate is not actually the hardest hitter, you know, in the division. But you know, it 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 was a shot. You know, it could happen to anybody. Uh, Correa, on the other hand, got knocked out by Rousey, who also doesn't have the most power in the division either. So it kind of it, it'll be it'll be interesting. I see I see Correa standing up for the first round, and then maybe from the second round to the mid third, trying to take it down take it to the ground. As far as the win, I see Correa taking the win.
0: And I actually, I think that, yeah, Goheda's ground game could come into play. Her jiu-jitsu is obviously uh, going to be a bit better than I's. One thing that does stick out to me, though, is that I have faced, I mean, these, these high levels of competition, the people like Sarah McMahon and Misha Tate and Juliana Peña, like really good people. goheda you know, she's beaten um, a decent amount. You know, she...
1: Yeah, nobody really ranked. Yeah, I got you.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, she she fought Justin Duke. She fought Shanna Baszler. And while she did pick uh, up pretty dominant wins there, I think that that lack of, like, real, like, top 10 experience, top five right. experience at Jessica I, I think that that will be a key factor for her here. I think that it's going to be very close. In my mind, this fight has split decision written all over it. I think that It's going to be really razor thin, and it's going to go to the judges' scorecards. But overall, I think that I can actually get the win here. I think that she's going to mix up her boxing combinations. Um, I'm expecting some pretty competitive exchanges between the two. I think I can actually get a little bit better there, and I think that she can pick up the win. Uh, I would say it's a split decision.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can't can't, um, disagree with that one either. As Pennington herself is a great boxer. I think she's one of the Mm -hmm. best boxers in the division. And, you know, Correa held her own for the most part as much as she could with her. And, you know, we all know what happened with that one. But, you know, I'm, Jessica's boxing is not as crisp, but it is good. It's going to be an interesting fight. It'll be an interesting. Yeah. Fight. Interesting yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: yeah, either way, I think that we can agree. That, right? I mean, it's it's going to be pretty close to the end of it. And with that, we finished up all of our prelims, and we'll be moving on to the main card, which will be on pay-per-view. Our uh, first fight, um, we just got Andrade taking on Joanne Calderwood. Really, really good fight here. Um, Jessica Andrade, since up and down two whole weight classes, I mean, she looked like a monster in her last fight. I mean, she took on a former title challenger in Jessica Penne and mm-hmm. completely dominated her. I mean, she just, you know, we know that Andrade just hits like a truck. I mean, when she hits cleanly, she can hit pretty much anyone. Uh, she can finish pretty much anyone. And we've seen that showcased before. And I think that she really could be a force to be reckoned with in her new weight class. And with that, we also have Joanne Calderwood, who had a bit of hype coming into the UFC. You know, she was on The Ultimate Fighter. She did pretty well on the show. Since making her way to the UFC, she had that unfortunate loss in Berenice morose, I think she faced Courtney Casey and then Valerie Letourneau, and she looked much better in those fights. And I think that she was starting to live up to that momentum that she built up for her mainly a Muay Thai fighter. She's very proud of that. And so I think that this will be a fight that takes place mainly on the feet. But I actually am leaning towards Andrade here. I think that with how good she looked in her last fight, I think that I'll see her getting her hand raised. Uh, What about you? What are your thoughts on this? Well,
1: I'm a JoJo fan and Andrade fan as well. But ever since JoJo's been with TriStar, she's gotten a lot better. And the fact that she finished the turno, something that Joanna Champion could not do. That, to me, was impressive. And Marina Moreau, that loss, you know, Marina's a great grappler. Marina's awesome in, in that cage. But um, I see Joanne's Muay Thai and just, I, I, I see her winning. It won't be, of course, a knockout or anything like that. I don't think it will. It, it will go to the scorecards, but I'm going with JoJo on this one.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be a really, really great fight between these two, mainly taking place on the feet. Both women are predominantly strikers. Um, Andrade does have the better jiu-jitsu between them, though. She actually has a pretty good uh, guillotine. And if she does catch uh, Joanne coming in, who's not quite as comfortable on the ground, I could see her getting the win there. But overall, I do see it taking place on the feet for the most part. Andrade, she can get a little bit carried away sometimes. Like, there was that loss to Marion Renault, which... She kind of rushed in. She hurt Renault pretty early, but then she got lost in that triangle choke. Um, there was the loss in the rematch with Raquel Pennington, or she got caught in another. Uh, she got caught in a rear naked choke there, and so I think that she can get a little bit over aggressive, and that can come back to haunt her at times. But I don't know. Just based on how well she looked in that drop, uh, in the drop down in weight classes, and given the level of opponent that she faced, I'm really riding high on her. I think that she can really do well in this division, but this is going to be a big test for her because I think that Andrade has more sheer power in her hands. said She's just, like, she hits like a truck, but Calderwood is the more diverse striker Her Muay Thai. She throws in more kicks, more knees. I think that at a distance, she's going to have the advantage, but she needs to make sure to not let Andrade close the distance because if Andrade gets on the inside and starts delivering those, Uh, those punching combinations that she's really known for, then Calderwood could find herself in some trouble. I think that I'm actually leaning towards Andrade here. I think that it's going to be very close. You're very right with how much better Calderwood has looked since her move to TriStar because she was really shaky at the beginning of her early UFC career. You know, she was having some problems with her camp and everything, but thankfully Mm -hmm. it looks like those have been fixed now. But this fight will really, I think it'll say a lot about both women, but I'm leaning towards Andrade here. Most likely I think a decision. And uh moving on, we have a great matchup between uh we have a great matchup in the bantamweight division between the California Kid, Uriah Faber, and Jimmy Rivera. Kind of your classic uh veteran versus prospect matchup we have here. Uriah Faber, I mean, he's one of the biggest stars in the UFC. Pretty much everyone knows who he is. Even uh a lot of uh, fans who are more diehard fans, they know who Uriah Faber is. And at 135 it's clear that he can beat a good number of people who are not holding the belt. You know, he is actually undefeated at bantamweight. Uh, you know, obviously not counting his loss to Frankie Edgar. Um, he has undefeated at bantamweight to people who are not holding a title. You know, he lost to dominant Cruz. He lost to, uh, hennan Barrow. but other than that, he has been able to beat pretty much everyone. But that being said, his most recent performances have been, uh, a bit concerning, you know, he had, that, he had the fight with Francisco Rivera, which I don't think that he was looking particularly great in. And then we had the unfortunate eye pokes that led to the submission win. I think since then, he just hasn't really quite looked himself. You know, like when he was training with Dwayne Ludwig, he was looking really great. You know, he was putting on great performances, like against like Michael McDonald, where he just looked fantastic there. But since then, I think that he's kind of dropped down, and it could be possible that that veteran experience is starting to catch up to him. And on the other hand, we have Jimmy Rivera, who I think is one of the brightest prospects at bantamweight. He's very athletic. He's very fast with his striking. He has good power in his hands. And he's really looked great in his UFC career so far, particularly in his last fight where he had that unanimous decision win over UFC veteran Yuri Alcantara. And I think that this could be a fight that really puts Jimmy Rivera on the map. What are your thoughts on it?
1: This will be his coming-out party. It will put him on the map. If you do not know who Jimmy Rivera is, you will know after Saturday night. I followed his career for a very a long time, even as an amateur, and this guy is an absolute beast, and he's only going to get better. He's only going to get better, and the better competition he gets, the better he's going to get. I strongly believe he has the ability to finish Faber by the third round. I believe that that Faber is a great gatekeeper for the division, but I think his time is is diminishing.
0: Yeah, I mean, this will be the biggest test of Rivera's career, but I think that it's one that he can without a doubt pass in an impressive fashion. Because, like we said, Rivera, he's looked great in the UFC thus far, great record, he's faced good competition in Pedro Munoz and Marcus Frimage and, of course, the Alcantara fight. And he's just looking better and better each time. And I think that this will be his time to shine. I think that Rivera will likely keep the fight standing, provided that he can avoid Faber's wrestling, which is, of course, his go-to strategy. Right. I think that if he can avoid that, he can keep the fight on the feet. He can mix up his like fast, fast punching combinations. And really neutralize Faber's wrestling and force him to fight on the feet, where I actually do give Rivera the advantage. Especially now that Faber has not been training with Ludwig for so long,
1: it'll be interesting. If the, if he does take uh, Rivera down, it'll be very very interesting to see if Rivera can get back up and stay up. Because one wrong move, one wrong move of the neck left out, and it it could be lights out. But I'm still going with Rivera.
0: Yeah, I agree. You actually said it was going to be a finish thing. Uh, like how you see Rivera getting his hand raised here?
1: KO by the third round.
0: Okay. Yeah, and I think that yeah, you mentioned you know we were talking about the wrestling earlier. Rivera has some decent wrestling chops as well. You know, they're not quite on the level of Faber's. And if Faber does manage to get him down, we will learn a lot about Rivera, like whether or not he's able to get up. But I think that Rivera's down defense will aid him well here. I think that he can stuff the takedowns, force server to fight on the feet and winning in pretty f- in fashion. I'm leaning towards a decision here. Could maybe be a split, but I'm actually leaning towards unanimous decision. I think that Rivera can pick up at least two of the three rounds and uh, one on the judges' scorecards. And with that, we move on to the very, very weird matchup between we really have
1: to pick this one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we have to, especially since it's part of the pay-per-view. We have the UFC debut and MMA debut of CM Punk taking on Mickey Gall. So I'll talk about Mickey Gall first. Mickey Gall, he doesn't look like a super prospect or anything like that. He hasn't been overly amazing, but he's still good. He has a particularly good ground game. He trains uh, with Jim and Dan Miller in New Jersey, and his ground game is very good. I believe he's a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and a legit brown belt at that. Good submission skills, obviously very good when he gets his opponents back. And his striking is coming along. He's not a great striker, but it is improving. You know, for a guy who's only 2-0, I think that he, he he has a decent future. Uh, I'm really not sure where he's going to go after this fight, though, because he's still so inexperienced. And then, of course, we have CM Punk, who, I mean, we really don't even know what to expect here. I mean, I guess we kind of we have an idea of what to expect, but it's just kind of a big question mark, you know. Uh, Punk, is very, very little... I mean, he has obviously no professional MMA experience. He has no amateur MMA experience. He's going into this completely blind. And even though he has that experience of with the cameras all around him and he knows kind of like to be on that big stage, this is an entirely new experience for him. And uh, Punk, I believe he, I believe he's a blue belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I think, if I heard that correctly. I know that he has Jiu-Jitsu training. Um, but other than that, I mean, the most you've seen from him is like, you know, him hitting mats, him rolling with guys, and he he does look like a guy who just doesn't have that experience. looks like a guy who is still trying to ease into the sport, whereas he's fighting on the promotions on the sport's biggest stage, and he's facing guys who are just so well weathered and guys who already know what they're doing. And Punk is just kind of taking his baby steps here. And I think that this will be pretty apparent. You know, I mean, in my opinion, you just you absolutely have to go with Gall. But um, what are your thoughts here?
1: Absolutely, Mickey Gall. It's going to be more like a James Tony thing, except James Tony had absolutely no training. I, I think Mickey's going to hit him a couple times. Punk is not going to like it. He's going to take him to the ground. He's going to submit him no later than the second round. Mickey Gall's going to win by submission. And if he wins by knockout, even better. Even better, but I see submission. And Mickey Gall still has a lot to prove. I mean, from here, I don't see him going back or being on any main card, I see him fighting on Fight Pass, you know, to build him up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I
1: do see that happening, and um, you know, it, it just goes from there. I mean, we got to see how he really didn't show much in his debut. You know, it was a short debut against Mike Jackson. You know, he caught him with the with the punch and then you know the the, the submission. So he really didn't show much, and even in his previous fights, he doesn't show much. So he still has quite a bit to prove, and. If, by the miracle of God, CM Punk makes it out of the first round, it'll be interesting to see the gas tank of both. And, you know, Mickey Gall usually ends fights pretty quickly, so you never know. But I don't see CM Punk. I see CM Punk gassing within the first two, three minutes. Uh, this is going to be a disaster.
0: The James-Tony uh, comparison is interesting because, Tony, he obviously he had about six months of MMA training, which is just not going to pr- really prepare you for anything. Um, but mm-hmm. he at least had, like, the combat sports, background, you know, he had that extensive boxing pedigree, which was at least something. And Punk, you know, he has wrestling, so we know that it wouldn't be, I guess, overly surprising if he just kind of relied solely on takedowns and took down Gall. um I mean, Gaul's jiu-jitsu is going to be ahead of his, and so if he does get the fight to the ground, he's going to have to deal with Gaul's guard. which, I mean, we haven't seen Gaul off of his back, but you have to imagine that with the level of jiu-jitsu that he has, he has to be at least pretty decent from there, and so... Yeah. I mean, unless the only real way I see Punk getting the win here. I mean, who knows? You know, we never, we never really know just because there's so many question marks around it. You know, I think that he has a puncher's chance. I think that he can land uh, possibly a big bomb early if it, if he does have some some decent power and he has an opening. Other than that, I could see him like maybe grinding out a win with his wrestling, but that's about it. Either way, I, I, I mean, like you said, I think that Gall. He could hurt Punk on the feet and either finish him with strikes or just take him to the ground and lock on a submission. But either way, I see Gall getting the 1st round stoppage. I'm winning towards submission here. I think that he can get Punk's back and choke him out within the first five minutes. All right, and with that, we move on to the co-main event between Fabricio Verdum and Travis Brown. This is a rematch between the two. Um, Fabricio Verdum, this will be his first fight since losing the heavyweight title to Stephen Niochik, where he suffered a 1st round knockout loss. And for Travis Brown, this will a pretty quick turnaround after losing to Kane Velasquez at UFC 200, where he also had a first-round TKO loss. So this is a rematch. Uh, Verdum won the first match. It was a five-round fight, and Verdum got the better of Brown for five rounds, and that really established him, I think, as a true contender. And I see this fight going pretty similarly. Um, Travis Brown, he just, like, his recent performances have been really concerning. He obviously, he didn't look great against King Velasquez because that's because it's Velasquez and he's one of the best heavyweights in the division. And on top of that, you know, like he had the the Matt Mitrion fight where he really did not look great there. He really got hurt a lot. He had like the eye poke that he put forth. And his recent performances have been, they've been fairly co- uh, concerning in, in my opinion. Whereas Verdum, I think that he got caught in his last fight. Yeah, heavyweight fights are pretty unpredictable. But I still think that he's a top guy at his weight class. He has some of the best, I would say, the best jiu-jitsu at heavyweight. And his striking is also really good, too, with his training uh, at Kings and MMA with Rafael Cordero. His Muay Thai has gotten great, and he has good power, too. I think that Verdum will get his hand raised here. I think that he'll win the rematch. He'll beat Brown twice. Although I actually think that he can uh, get the finish here. I think that he can take Brown to the ground and lock on a submission somewhere.
1: And he broke Brown's ribs in the last fight. I mean, it was crazy. But then again, I look at how bad Travis Brown has been doing in his last couple of fights, and I revert back to the Jake Ellenberger situation where he was training with Glendale, and mm-hmm. that's where Travis Brown is. And, I mean, I have nothing against Glendale. I have nothing but love for, Glenn, for Glendale boxing and round the Rousey and whatnot, but it's just I'm not really high on Edmund as a coach, and I feel that he doesn't exploit the fighter's Strength. Like, he's just basic with what he does. And you can't be basic with someone like Verdun. And those knees, those those body kicks that, oh, man, it could very well be a, a stoppage due to strikes or a submission. But I, I don't see it going the three rounds. I'm going to go with Verdun.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, with Verdun, I mean, he submitted to, arguably, the best heavyweights ever in Fedor and Cain Velasquez. I mean, that really shows just how good he is. And yeah, like you're saying, that change in camps for Travis Brown has really not been faring well for him. He just doesn't look like the same guy that he was, like he was when he was training at Greg Jackson's. And so I think that Verdum, he's going to use those powerful kicks of his. I think that he can, provided that he can avoid those. Still does have power, and he has a decently diverse standup game. He has like some decent front kicks. He has his elbows up against the fence that you really got to be careful of. But I think that provided that Verdum can avoid those. I think that he can really pick Brown apart from a distance, use those kicks, time them, uh, you know, punish his body, punch the legs like he did before, and eventually score takedowns and walk on a submission somewhere along the way. I would go probably second-round submission for for, for uh, Fabrizio uh How do you see, like, which round and what method do you see Verdum getting the win?
1: I don't see it going past the third, anywhere yeah. between the first and second.
0: Okay, yeah. Yeah, sounds good. And with that, we are already at our main event between Steve Miocic and Alistair Overeem. This is a really great matchup for the heavyweight title. Steve Miocic, he won the heavyweight title in his last fight, where, like we said, he knocked out Fabricio Verdum in the first round. And he really is one of the best heavyweights in the division, and that's been apparent for quite a while. He's very athletic for heavyweight, but he's not like an overly big guy. He's still decently fast. His technique is probably some of the best in the division for his striking alone. You know, he has very good kickboxing. His boxing technique has gotten very good. It's that really uh, beautiful one-punch knockout that he got in his last fight uh, which showcased that. And on top of that, his wrestling is also really good. We saw that in the Mark Hunt fight. He can take guys down. He can wear them down. He can beat them up. And because he's so well-rounded, that's allowed him to showcase how good a fight IQ he has. He always comes in with really good game plans. He is always very prepared for his fights. He kind of He's good at exposing guys' weaknesses quite a lot, and that's one of the reasons why he's gotten so high-ranked and obviously holds the ball right now. But he has a very interesting task ahead of him with Alistair Overeem. Overeem, he's one of the most experienced guys in the UFC, let alone the heavyweight division. Obviously, he's known for that striking style of his, that kickboxing that he has, very, very powerful kicks, powerful punches as well. Just brutal knees, look to the the head and to the body. And he's one of the more technical strikers at heavyweight. And I think that's one of the reasons that has made him such a threat. Along with that, his move over to Greg Jackson's for his last few fights has really, really been noticeable in those performances. You know, the the wins over Andre Arlovsky, the wins over Junior DeSantos and Stefan Struve. It's really been apparent that he's getting much. I think that this is going to be it's a really close fight with how they match up stylistically. But I'm actually leaning towards Overeem based on how he's looked lately. But uh, give us your her thoughts here.
1: My heart is going with Overeem. it will be a great story to his very decorated career. Um, I believe he has great stand-up from a distance, um, great kicks. But his jaw has just been an issue for the last couple of years, and that's what worries me. I think he does have the tools to beat Stipe, but my gut is telling me Stipe is going to win by knockout. No more, no more than the third round, unfortunately. And and it's tough to say because you know Overeem has basically been there and done that. But you know this is this is a shot, and unfortunately he's facing some a guy that has some serious power, and that's been his Achilles heel is his jaw.
0: Yeah, Overeem's chin—it definitely has held him back numerous times in his career. You know, there was the losses to Bigfoot, there was the the loss to Travis Brown. and so I think the Miocic winning by knockout is, of course, a very uh, a very likely scenario. Given that Miocic obviously has big power, and if Overeem really gets hit with, uh, I think anything that that Miochuk throws, I think that he can get put away. But one thing that I am that I have like seen from Overeem, particularly with his move over to Greg Jackson's is that he's doing a much, much better job of defending himself. You know, he's facing, he was facing big hitters in Dos Santos, in Roy Nelson. You know, he's facing these knockout artists, but he was actually keeping his chin tucked. He was fighting from the clinch to really negate that, to make sure that he wasn't going to get clipped with anything rushing in. And I think that that could really aid him well here. You know, it, again, a finishing blow from the really wouldn't be surprising. But I think that based on how much smarter Overeem has been fighting lately, that's what is making me lean towards him right now. I think that Overeem can both stay on the outside and use his kickboxing to keep Miocic guessing and kind of pick him apart from a distance. And I think that Overeem can also take the fight to the clinch, use that dirty boxing that he's known for, use that Muay Thai, and wear Miocic down from there. But that is... That is provided that, that Overeem can avoid you Neotix know, wrestling, though, because that is also a concern.
1: I mean, my pick from my heart is Overeem, but if something's just telling me that Steepest is going to knock him out, it would be great okay. that he won, but, you know, I mean, don't forget that he also has good submissions, Overeem, but we haven't seen those in quite some time. But you never know. I mean, Greg Jackson, like the way he's been fighting, he's been fighting it smarter. Like, he, like he knows, you know, one hit can shut my lights out. So let's fight safe. Not safe, because he's not fighting too safe, but he's fighting clever. He's fighting the way he should be, should have been fighting for the last couple of years. And hopefully we see the over in the old, and we see a good war of some sort on Saturday.
0: Yeah, and this one really could go either way. So your final prediction, so you do see Skipe getting the knockout, which uh, round do you think it's going to be pretty early, like within the first or second?
1: I'd say the third.
0: Third? Okay. Yeah, and again, a knockout from Yotuk wouldn't be surprising if he does find an opening. But I do think that with how good Overeem has looked lately, how smart he's been fighting, the smart game plan that he's had, thanks to that camp, he's really living up to that potential that he had when he entered the UFC. And I think that that will be a big difference It really could go either way, but I'm leaning towards Overeem. I think that he can land the more devastating strikes, be just a little bit more technical with his offense, keep the fight on the feet. I'm going with a second-round TKO for Alistair Overeem. That about uh, wraps it up here. You know, we kind of talked about every fight. Uh, Guys, let us know what you think. Who do you you think is going to get the win here in the main event? It's a really great fight. I think that it could go either way. But let us know what you think. Who do you see getting their hand raised? Guys, thank you as always for tuning in. I want to thank my co host, Joel Rojas, for helping me break down this card. Uh, Joel, where can people find you at? Uh,
1: JR underscore double underscore on Twitter and on Facebook at Joel Rojas.
0: All right, sounds good. And, uh, guys, make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Funky Monkey MMA. You can follow me on Twitter at Kane E. Miller. And you can keep up with our site for the latest interviews, event photos, and analysis pieces just like this one. We'll see you next time.
1: You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA. You can listen to Funky Monkey MMA Radio on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Blog Talk Radio, Player FM, Cash Roller, the TuneIn Radio app, MMAFutures.com, LoveMMA.com, MMARecords.com, and FightBookMMA.com. For the freshest news and notes on all things MMA, get over to FunkyMonkeyMMA.com. Interested in sponsoring the show? Then send an email to FunkyMonkeyMMA at gmail.com. You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA